Section eighty one of Through Fairy Halls of My Book House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tech Savvy. Through Fairy Halls of My Book House. Edited by Olive Bupre Miller. Through the Mousehole. A Czech Fairy Tale. Before times long past, there reigned a king somewhere, and he had three sons. One day, when they were grown up, and had been trained as befits princess, they came to their father and said, Kingly father, permit us to visit strange lands. It is well for us to know more of the world. Now the king thought it good for his sons to ride abroad and match their strengths and wits with the world. But he made this one condition yea are all of an age when most young men seek the partners of their lives so far as i know ye will do likewise i have no wish to tell you what princesses to choose but this command i lay upon you return before a year and a day and bring me some gift from your loved ones that i may know what sort of maidens have pleased you the princes were astonished that their father had guessed their thoughts so well, and they agreed at once to his command. Each one said that he would shoot an arrow into the air and start out on his adventures in whatever directions the arrow fell. So they took their crossbows and set off for the open field. The eldest son let the bowstring go, and his arrow flew to the east. The second let the string go, and his arrow flew to the west. And where am I to aim? cried the youngest, whose name was Yarmil. Just at that moment, a mouse ran past him and into its hole. He let the string go, and his arrow flew after the mouse. Oho! cried the brothers. See where thou must go, Yarmil? Into a mouse hole. And they thought it a matter for jesting, but Yarmil, nothing daunted, prepared for the road. Through a mouse hole I shall find fortune as well as by another way, cried he, and when the eldest son rode down the broad and pleasant highway to the east, and the second son down the broad and pleasant highway to the west, Yarmil made straight for the mouse hole. He approached it boldly on his horse, and at that very moment he came full upon it. The small entrance grew suddenly large, so he rode in quite easily without even slackening speed. Sooner than he could think, he found himself in an open country in the midst of which stood a white marble castle. Nowhere did he see a living soul, but scarcely had he entered the gate when a lady came forth to meet him. She wore long flowing robes of white, and her face, hair, eyes, all were white as the new-fallen snow. By the bridle she held a spirited snow-white steed, and she silently beckoned to Yarmil to descend from his horse and mount the one she was holding. Scarcely had he done so, when the creature rose with him through the air, and regardless of bit, flew on and on till it brought him to earth before a splendid castle. Round about, wherever the eye could see, was a beautiful garden abloom with flowers, wherein birds of all sorts were singing. Yarmil dismounted in great amazement, but as he took his steed by the bridle to lead him into the courtyard, it broke suddenly from his hand, rose lightly into the air, and disappeared like a great white bird in the clouds. 
Then Yarmil advanced and rapped on the door of the castle. No one appeared to answer his summons, but the door itself swung open. Up a flight of broad marble steps he climbed to the door of the first chamber. Again he rapped. No answer, but this door, like the first, swung open. Then Yarmil entered the most magnificent room he had ever seen, a hall ablaze with gold and jewels. Beyond this he passed through a succession of chambers, each one more splendid than the last, and so on, till he came to the eleventh. Here he paused a moment, for in this room he saw a great crystal tub bound about with golden hoops, and into this tub, through a golden pipe, clear fresh water was pouring. The twelfth and last chamber, unlike all the others, was small and bare, and strange to relate. In the center stood a pan, made solidly of diamonds. Advancing swiftly to the pan, Yarmil stooped to examine it, and at once he saw written upon it these strange words. Carry me near your heart, and bathe me each day, so you will set free one who is bound. Still more astonished, Yarmil lifted from a pan a diamond cover. Below that he found a golden cover, and last of all one of silver. As he dragged up the last cover with great difficulty, he suddenly saw at the bottom of the pan what but an ugly toad. On first thought he turned to run away, but no, in spite of himself, he lifted the toad from the pan and put it in his bosom. At first the touch of it chilled him through and through, but the next moment he felt himself strangely happy. Straight away he went to the eleventh chamber, took out the toad, and washed it carefully in the crystal tub with the clear, pure water that flowed from the golden pipes. But for all he bathed the creature, it still remained a toad. Carefully he put it back in its place near his heart, and went out into the garden. Here the sight of the trees, the odor of the flowers, and the songs of the birds cheered him till midday. Then he went back to the castle, and to his great surprise saw in the first chamber a table spread with the daintiest dishes. Here, as he sat and ate, he was served by unseen hands. After dinner he looked more carefully about the room, and now the splendor did not charm him so much as at first. Instead, he rejoiced in the musical instruments, writing materials, and books which were everywhere about. With these, he made bold to busy himself, and so he did, day after day, but always his first thought was the care of the toad. The lonely life troubled him somewhat at first, for never once did a human being appear, but he mastered this feeling soon. And then one thing only grieved him. The more he washed the toad, the uglier it seemed to grow. Still he carried it always next to his heart, and never failed to bathe it. At length it was nearing the end of the year, when he must return to his father and carry him a present. Yamil knew not what to do. How could he leave the toad? What could he take to the king as a gift? Such thoughts as these made him sad and anxious. When the very last day of the year came, he was quite beside himself. But, as he was passing through his room, he suddenly saw on his writing table a sheet of paper. Seizing it quickly, he read, Dear Yarmil, be patient as I am patient, 
a gift for thy father thou wilt find in the pan. Give it to him, but tarry not long at home. Put me back in the pan. Hastening with joy to the twelfth chamber, Yarmil found in the pan a splendid casket. He knew not what was in it, but he took it obediently, removed the toad from his bosom, and put it carefully back in the pan. Then he hastened from the castle. In the courtyard he found the snow-white steed in waiting. At once he threw himself on its back. It rose with him into the air, and flew on and on, and regardless of bit, till it dropped to the earth before the white castle. The white lady appeared again, gave Yarmil his own horse, and took the white one from him. When he had passed through the gate of the castle and turned to look back, lo, there was not behind but a mouse hole. He rushed on at a gallop, and arrived at his father's castle almost at the same moment as his brothers, so that all three were able to appear together before the father and say, Here we are, according to thy command. But have ye bought gifts from your princesses? asked the king. Of course cried the elder brothers proudly. Yarmil answered as it were timidly with a nod, for he knew not what was in the casket taken from the pan. The king had invited a great number of guests to look at the gifts. All were in the banqueting hall. The king led his sons thither, and when the feast was ended he said to the eldest, Now give me the gift from thy princess. My love is the daughter of a great king. With her I have spent the year in feasting and tournays and tilts at arms, said the princess proudly. He gave his father a splendid casket. The king took out therefrom a small mirror about the size of an aspen leaf, and as he looked in it he wondered not a little that he saw his whole person in such small compass. Then he said, well, it's not a bad gift. The second son also said proudly that his love was the daughter of a great king, and from his princess he presented his father with a mirror even smaller. Still the king only said, It is not a bad gift, and he turned to Yarmil. But what was thy princess sent me? In silence and humbly Yarmil gave him the casket. The king barely looked in it, when he cried out in amazement, for therein was a mirror no bigger than one's little thumbnail, in which the king could see not only his own person, but the whole great hall, the gleaming tapers on the wall, and all the guests besides. Now, cried the king, here is a princess who knows what is what, and embracing Yarmil, he added with tenderness, Thou hast brought me true joy, my son. Yarmil called to mind the ugly toad, and had no regret now that he had spent a whole year in nursing it, but his brothers were enraged that he had found such a thing through a mouse hole. When the feast was over, and the princes were parting with their father, he said, Go now with rejoicing, but return in a year and a day, and bring me portraits of your princess. The elder brothers promised with joy, but Yamil barely nodded, for he feared that his father would say, should he bring the toad's portrait. 
still he went with his brothers beyond the town where he parted with them and galloped on to the mousehole at the white castle the white lady took his horse and gave him the white steed which rose through the air and regardless of bit flew on till it reached the golden castle where it disappeared like a dove in the clouds in the castle nothing was changed yamil hurried to the twelfth chamber and there stood the diamond pan as before hastily he removed the three covers carefully took out the toad and placed it tenderly in his bosom now he bathed it twice each day but to his grief it grew uglier how could he take back home the portrait of such a princess at last the day was near in which he must return he looked continually on his writing-table till he saw to his great joy a sheet of paper on which was written in several letters dear yarmil be patient as i am patient thou hast my portrait in the pan give it to thy father but tarry not long put me back in the pan yarmil hastened to the twelfth chamber and found in the pan a casket still richer than the first he took it quickly and put the toad in its place then he hurried forth and sat on the white steed which brought him to the white castle where the white lady gave him his own horse he galloped on and arrived at the gate of his father's castle at the same time with his brothers they stood before their father and said here we are as thou hast commanded do ye bring me portraits of your princesses asked the king yeah exclaimed the two other brothers full of pride but yamil only answered with a nod for he knew not what portrait the casket contained the king led him to the banqueting hall where the guests were assembled when the banquet was over he said to the eldest now show me the portrait of thy princess the eldest brother gave a rich casket to his father he opened it took out a portrait and looking it at from every side said at last that is a beautiful lady she pleases me still there are fairer than she in the world then he said to the second son and the portrait of thy princess the second son gave him promptly a richer casket and smiled with happiness he thought that his father could never have seen a lovelier princess but the king only said a beautiful lady too still there are more beautiful in the world then he nodded to yarmil who gave with trembling hands his diamond casket the king opened it and looked fixedly at what lay within unable to utter a word yarmil could but hold his breath was it the portrait of a toad that lay there ah cried the king at last i had not believed in all the world such a lady was to be found the guests crowded around a portrait and in one voice agreed with the king at last yarmil drew near and looked on the face of his princess such loveliness was unbelievable now he regretted no whit that he had spent two years in the lone life caring patiently for a toad next day the princes were taking farewell and the king said to them after this time i will not let you go again in a year and a day i wish to see your princess then we will celebrate the weddings 
full of hope, they all set out in good time. Yarmil came to the castle. He hastened at once to the tall chamber, eagerly hoping to find there his wondrous fair princess. But no, he found in the pan the same ugly toad as before. He was disappointed, you may be sure, but he put the little creature in his bosom, and now washed it three times each day. In vain seemed all his labor, for the more he bathed, the uglier grew the toad. When the end of the year drew near, it was a wonder that he did not despair, for the toad had become so hideous that he shivered whenever he looked at it. And now he must bring this to his father as his chosen one. Still he stuck to his task, and would not give up his hope. On the very last day he reached to his bosom to look at once more at the toad. At sight of it he hoped. He might find some comfort, but a new surprise awaited him. The toad was gone. Now he began to lament, for after all he loved the creature. He ran through the wall castle and searched every room. He searched every tree and bush in the garden, but no trace of the toad did he find. At last he remembered the dish in the twelfth chamber. Thither he ran, but on the threshold he stopped as if thunderstruck. That poor chamber had become a real paradise, and in the middle of it stood a lady as beautiful, ah, more beautiful still than the portrait, which he had carried to his father. In speechless amazement he looked at her, and who knows how long he might have stood there had she not turned to him sweetly and said, My dear, know that I am the daughter of a mighty king. Me and all my people, a wicked wizard, turned into toads, because I refused to marry him. Thou hast endured much and patiently, but now at last thy faithful devotion has set me free from the spell. Come, let us be off at once, so as to come to thy father's in time. Then she took him by the hand and led him down the stairs. In front of a castle, a carriage with four white horses was waiting. When they entered, the horses rushed off with such speed that soon they passed the white castle where the white fairy who had kept guard over the princess waved them a friendly greeting. Out through the gate they went, and behind them was not but a mouse hole. So they arrived at the king's castle just in the same moment with the two elder brothers. There were the princesses they had brought, decked out in their gaudiest finery. But alas, no one ever once looked at them. On Yarmil's wonderful bride was every eye fixed. Never had there been seen in the kingdom so beautiful a creature. The king was rejoiced most of all. He conducted the bride to the banqueting hall where there was a multitude of guests, and with tears of delight he exalted the happiness of his youngest son. On the following day came the weddings of the three princes, and when the feasting was over, Yarmil set out with his wife on a journey to their kingdom. They found the mousehole no longer a mousehole, but a magnificent gate leading to a great city, in the middle of which stood a golden castle. Here there were multitudes of people everywhere and in the castle throngs of courtiers and servants who greeted with their mighty applause their master and mistress thanking yarmil at the same time for their liberation
the royal pair were goodness itself and so they all lived henceforth happily beyond measure end of section eighty one